so good evening, everyone. Uh, we're really happy to be learning with you again this LL. Um, so this is the second session of uh, Rabinit Victoria Sutton's uh, series, Why Are You Sleeping? A Pew Team of Awakening to the Yemim Nuraim. Um, so as you join the Zoom room, I will be asking you to be a panelist. Uh, this doesn't mean that you need to teach anything. Uh, this just means that uh, we'll get to see your lovely faces if you so choose. And if you have any questions, you'll be able to unmute to ask them. Um, otherwise, uh, you can always type and I'll make sure they get to Revenue Sutton. Um, so this second session is um, entitled Open the Gates. So Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur um, are viewed as a time when the gates of Rachamim are particularly receptive. Um, we're going to look at several pew team uh, that develop this theme uh, and that introduce the shofar and the prayers of the day. Um, and I will put the sources in the chat so you can follow along at home, and I will hand it over to Ravneet Sutton. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Maxine. Thank you all for joining. I'm sure it's a very, very busy night for everybody, um, right? getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, but I think this is also part of our preparation. Um, I know we often have a lot of special foods that we eat and um, guests and things to do and things to get done. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad um, for those who are setting aside time. It could be while you're also cooking or while you're also getting some of those things done, which you totally get, um, that you're get, spending the time also to spiritually prepare for Rosh Hashanah. And um, I'm excited to do that with you over the next hour by looking at some of the central um, pew team um, that are set in many, many communities um, and have been set for many centuries in these communities um, and are really the essence of, of the Rosh Hashanah tefillah. Um, I, I shared a link as well. People should have gotten the sources, um, but I shared a link and uh, I'm also going to share my screen so that you can follow along with me. Um, but the class is entitled Open the Gates. We're going together to look at two pew team. Um, the first one we're going to spend the majority of our time on. Um, called Echayoyatzon, and then we're gonna spend some time on another pute. Um, it's also in chronological order in terms of like how, um, how they're said usually on Rosh Hashanah. Um, and, uh, and the hope is that uh, whether this is a tradition that you have to say these pute team on Rosh Hashanah or not, if you do, hopefully it'll enrich your experience of, of hearing these and saying these together in, uh, in Akilah. And if these are not familiar to you, hopefully they will also enrich your experience um, and give you other ways of thinking about and approaching um, Rosh Hashanah. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, just scroll to the top. So the first piyut is Echaratzon, um, which is usually sung on the first day of Rosh Hashanah in many communities, um, between reading the Torah and before the shofar um, is blown. So it's sort of like an introductory piyut to get us in the right kapana, in the right headspace for uh, hearing the shofar, which is the main mitzvah. Um, of, of Rosh Hashanah. Um, and 
part of what we'll look at when we look at this pute is what themes it's trying to get us to see um, in terms of um, the shofar and its significance. Um, and also, um, sandwiched between the Torah reading and the shofar, it's sort of looking backwards. We, we just read about Abraham and Sarah, and on the second day, we're going to read about the Akedah, but we're sort of leading up to that story. Um, so it's a midrash, a commentary on the Torah story, the main Torah story that we read on Rosh Hashanah, and why maybe that's what was chosen to read, as well as an introduction, a bridge to the shofar. So it sort of bridges us between hearing that story and then getting ready to hear the shofar. Um, so with that introduction, um, we will, um, I'm going to stop sharing for a second. Um, it was written in um, 12th century in Halab in Aleppo um, by Yehuda ben Shmuel ibn uh, Abbas. If you look at for a second, the acrostic, right, you see Ayn Bet Aleph Sin. So that's Abbas, um, right, Yehuda. Um, so, right, Shimo, Shimo. So that's, a, he, the, it's very, very common that you see in many, many Pew team. I think it was, first of all, to sort of put their signature in it, because we're going to see that we looked at some Pew team last week that are so famous, but we don't know who wrote them. Um, and the one that we'll look at second tonight, we don't know who wrote it. Um, and so this is one way that, you know, that you know that your Pew is going to, um, that you will get accredited in a, in a beautiful way, um, right? We won't forget who wrote it. Um, and so that's, uh, and it also helps with memory, um, right? That if we know um, the name, then we know which paragraph is coming next. And so, um, right, especially for many communities who right, were not as literate or did not have many C-Dream, this also helped them. So that was the first stanza. It's uh, and when we'll read the words, I don't know who if people got to look at it in, in preparation. Um, you might be looking at it for the first time. Um, the tune very much, the melody very much mirrors the message. Um, it's a little bit haunting. It's a little bit plaintive. Um, it's it's and it's quite repetitive. And but it, then it builds up to sort of this crescendo at the end of each stanza. Um, so that repeats throughout the piute. Um, Right, where it's sort of repetitive, and then the last line um, has that, uh, right, has that um, finish, and then you continue on to the next line. So we're going to look at the pew together and think about why do we read this in Rosh Hashanah? How does it help us deepen understanding of the Torah reading of Rosh Hashanah? And also, how does it help us understand uh, the sh meaning of the shofar? So the, the title 
um, of the piyut is et share rason, which is also the title of this class in some ways. Et share rason lihi pateach is that this is a particular time. We're saying Rosh Hashanah, maybe the month of Elul. Elul, this is a whole period of time, is a specific period of time when the gates of Ratzon are open. Um, Ratzon can be, uh, we say it every day in our Amidah, we say that God should accept, God should want, God should desire our tefillah and our connection. And so even more than every day that we ask for it, Rosh Hashanah is a time when it's like in hyper mode and it, it's almost as if, right, that the gates are open in a more full way at this time um, and the gates are flung open um, on this particular day. Um, and uh, and so we're asking, um, there's also the, the, the notion of Zohar, which we're going to look at a lot, um, that Yom HaZikaron is one of the names of Rosh Hashanah, that it's the time of remembering. And we're going to think about who's remembering and what is being remembered. And that's going to be a layered theme in the piyut, which mirrors what we say in our tefillah. It's one of the major themes of the Musaf. Um, and uh, it's noted, this is a beautiful midrash. We're going to look at it through a lens of Rosh Hashanah, but I highly encourage people, this is a, take this out again um, in a couple of months when we're back at this Torah portion. It's a really exquisite midrash on the Akedah story um, that adds in a lot that is uh, right, beneath the text. Um, right, so Abraham in the second stanza was tested. Um, this is one of the last tests. What's fascinating here is that there's a conversation with Sarah. Sarah's voice comes in. We're going to see what the Midrash does with that and how they connect that with Shafar. But I think that's one of the, the most poignant things. There's a few poignant moments in this Midrash. And one of them is that actually Sarah is brought up. Um, and he actually asks Sarah, um, can, I, can I bring Yitzchak? Um, and she's concerned. And she says, don't go too far. right? Um, and, uh, and he says, right, the Elboteah, you should trust in God. And that's also just a message it is giving Sarah, but a message for us to take into Rosh Hashanah. So in the conversations, we're also sort of getting messages from the Python or from the author about right messages to us for this time of year. Um, so he rose early in the morning and the next stanza, right, we're familiar with that part and with the servants, right, we're familiar with that part. Um, but if you look at where it says, Hachush Nehem, the two of them went to do their work. And then we start to see also um, the way that Yitzchak speaks to his father, which is somewhat in the text, but the way he speaks here um, is even a little, um, has more in it than in the Torah. And because uh, he adds a last line, right? Um, not just where is the sheep, right? Like what's going on here, right? Um, something's missing. Um, but if you look at the last line, he says, um, uh, yeah, right. That's the the rules, right? Like you're, you know what God wants from you, like the halacha, like the right way of doing things, right? Did you, um, and uh, did you forget the right way, like your religion, right? The appropriate way of doing things on this day. Um, and what is Yitzchak really asking here? And we're going to see this come up in part part of what the reason is that we read this. Um, Wait, what is Yitzchak asking Abraham here? Is he saying you forgot how to bring a uh, animal sacrifice the right way? It is really a double meaning here, um, as maybe the truth begins to dawn on him. And this question that we have for Abraham, as we see Abraham going through all these motions, like, wait a second, this can't be what God really wants from you. 
right? That's impossible, that that's what God really wants from you, right? Did you forget like that this is a God of mercy um, and that sacrificing your son is really, right? that's not what God wants from you. And there must be something missing here and the story can't end this way. So did you forget, um, right? Did you forget the right way? And we're gonna see in some of the Midrashim that we often see Yitzchak is very passive. But in fact, in this piyut, he's there's a little bit of a point, right? It's a little bit more forward. Um, and some of the Midrashim um, are going to pick up on that in, in why we read that um, in thinking about what our priorities are, right? And how we understand our relationship with God. Um, just to note, um, each, this ended with shocheach. So each line rhymes with mizbeach. Um, so like this one ends with shocheach, um, and then the next one, um, right, ends with az yamir zevach hazoveach, right? Um, and again, Avram says, trust. I'm just going to trust in God. If we have bitachon, it will be okay, and um, something will come through. And we can hear maybe here with Avraham also questioning, right? I'm doing this because I think it's the, I'm, I'm following what God said, but actually I have bitachon in God, and I, I hope that things turn out the right way. Um, that right, this doesn't uh, this doesn't turn out as a tragedy. And now this line, um, they banged and banged and banged on the gates of mercy. This is the angels basically, right, crying out. And if we think of us at this time of year when we're standing together, Rosh Hashanah, doing Zlichot, they're leaning up to Yom Kippur, like that also describes us. Right? The Python is saying, this is what we are doing. Maybe we're not Abraham, thank God, right? In that moment of crisis and decision, but in some way, we have big choices to make. And our bitachon is tested. And whether God will have mercy on us and things will turn out okay for us and ourselves, for our families, right? That's what we're that's what we're banging um, on the gates of mercy right now for them to open, because right now they might feel closed even though the song opened up that the gates of mercy, now we know on this day, the gates of mercy are open. But it seems like when Abraham was standing there with Yitzchak, it didn't feel like those gates of mercy were open. And they said, is this what's gonna happen? Right? That a son will be sacrificed and that his own father is gonna bring the sacrifice? That can't be. It's just not right. That can't be. And again, there's a message for us. Those who trust in God, because this is really us, right? We're talking about Avram Yitzchak, but it's really us standing there as, the, as, those, um, as those praying. And the Paitan is telling us, don't worry. Just being here, doing the tefillot, being together in this communal experience, praying to God, right? Those who do that, you trust in God, okay? You will get strengthened. You might feel at a moment of crisis, but this should give you strength, just this experience. So again, weaved in with the Midrash and the messages, um, right, our messages to us as well. And he keeps going through the motions. He prepares the wood. And he's right now. Abraham is like focused, okay. And uh, and then this breaks my heart every time. I really like almost cry every time I read this line. 
because we don't see this in the text of the Torah. And Yitzchak says, Right? Just, I really am going to cry reading. It's like, tell my mom that I love her. Right? I'm going to let you. I'm going to go along with you because I have faith. You raised me with faith. And this is what's going to happen now. I realize what's happening. But I want to, right, that the human relationship, yes, I believe in God, but the relationship that I have um, with my mother, yes, my relationship with you is about our faith in God. But that, right, this is about human love. And that's also brought in here. And we're going to think about that as well. The, not only our relationship with God and the trust that we put in God, but the trust that Sarah puts in her relationship with Abraham that's being tested, the trust that Yitzchak puts in his father, right, Abraham, and also right, the trust that Yitzchak has for his mother that is unbroken. And he doesn't want his mother to feel that he broke that trust and broke that relationship. And that's a very important theme of Rosh Hashanah as well, our interpersonal relationships. And he says, Where are we going to find comfort? Where am I going to find comfort? It just, it pains me to think that she, after all of these years, and that's the first Torah reading of praying, wanting, she was remembered for mercy. And maybe he's hoping, maybe we won't be remembered, right? They prayed all those years. They never thought it was going to come out. And it did. And so hopefully God will have mercy in this moment as well. Um, right? So there's a lot of crying, a lot of emotion that's outpouring. And also that helps us open our gates as well. Part of the pute is they're banging on the gates of God, but making the human connection and bringing the stories of these individuals in a very human way, we all have relationships. It starts to help us soften and think about who do we have those relationships? What's broken in those relationships? What needs to be fixed? Right? How can we express what Yitzchak is expressing here and, and not in a moment of crisis? And so again, the conversation here, the level of conversation between Yitzchak and Abraham, which does not exist in the Torah, is really, really powerful. He says, okay, just do it quickly. And then he's almost like talking, like, bring it to Sarah and say, this is like the Re'ach Nichoach, which is what we say about Korbanot, that it has a beautiful smell. Right? This was the sacrifice that I brought to God. A little bit of a, a strong statement as well. And then the chariots, the angels of the holy Merkava, whatever that is, they start begging God. They said, we're going to look at the idea of, of Hanun, right? That God is, Rahum the Hanun is a central idea always in our lives, but particularly this time of year. And they say to God, right, please, they're begging. Bring some kind of substitute and bring redemption. Don't let the world be without a Yareach, right, which rhymes with Mizbeach, thinking if Abraham is the sun, Yitzchak is the moon. And how could this happen? And so then Abraham right, gets a message. And Adon Shamayim, the master of heaven, comes and says, Do not send your hand against right, this child. In the Torah, it's right, said in a different way by an angel. It's interesting here right, that it's God. 
delivering the message straight, right? That we have a direct relationship with God at this time of year. Shuvu shalom, go in peace, your angels. This day, yomze, meaning this day that this happened, the understanding is that it was, right? Rosh Hashanah, will be a zichut, will be a merit for the children of Jerusalem. And bo hamim ani poteach. God says, I will always on this day that you begged for mercy, that the angels begged for mercy, I will always on this day open the gates of mercy. And again, the binder, the bound, and the altar, which is the refrain. And in this pew, of course, the binder, the bound, it's a beautiful phrasing, and the altar represent Yitzchak, Abraham, and that moment of crisis of faith in front of them. But in many ways, it can represent different situations, right? It's, this pute is working on many, uh, many, many levels. Um, we're going to move on in a moment to think of some of the messages um, of the pute. Um, but I encourage people throughout, if you have, uh, if you have any reactions, like please, as uh, Maxine mentioned, um, I welcome you to write things in the chat. I can see the chat a lot of the time. Um, and if anyone has any sort of like initial, especially if this is maybe something new, any an initial um reactions to the pew maybe we'll if people want to share others will we'll move on to the messages if anyone has anything um they wanted to share just wanted to give a moment for that yes no uh, yeah. it's just interesting that normally the triad is Avraham, yitzchak and yaakov yeah have them in a three and now it's not yeah, yeah. what do you make of that i don't yeah. know we're used to threes. <laughs> this is not the three that we're used to, though, right? This three is a little bit of a surprising, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The binder, the bound, and and in some t some situations, I think it can it can even be like the same person, right? The binder, the bound, and the altar can be right. Um, it can be right situations that we that we are in, right? These moments of crisis or these moments of where we our faith is tested, and uh, we're not sure if it's going to be okay, um, and then we call out. Um, but that's a really, uh, a really beautiful point, Kayla. Thank you. Um, so let's think about what are some of the messages um, that emerge, emerge from this pute. Um, we're going to look at three different sources, which are sort of three different takes. We're going to see if they all work together, but three different takes. Um, of how to understand um, how to understand this pute. Um, one theme that we're going to look at is the theme of zichronot, the theme of remembering. Right? Who's remembering? What's being remembered? Is it that Abraham is remembering what God really wants of him? Right? Um, is that Hashem is remembering them when they cry, when the angels cry out, and remembering to have mercy on them? Is it that remembering the story allows us to remember? God's mercy and that God will always have mercy on us, even at the most difficult moments. Right? So there's many rememberings that are happening at the same time. Um, and one other message that we're going to see um, is about the relationships, right? The relationship with God, with Boreolam, is very much mirrored in our relationship with other people. And if we're asking for a Hamim in our relationship with God, and we want God to open the gates of mercy, we're sort of making the same ask of other people to open those gates of mercy and open their hearts. And maybe that ask is being asked of us. 
right, to open those gates of mercy within us as well um, as we read the Pute. Um, and I think the third, the final message, and we'll see this in this verse, is the final message that I take, and people might take other ones, is that we end up on this day, we'll end in Rachamim, that Rachamim wins out over strict judgment, over exactly who was exactly right and who was owed what and who, right? Justice is one thing. Mercy is quite another thing. And on this particular day, yes, justice is very important, but that's not what we're asking for in Rosh Hashanah. We're asking for mercy. And this story of the Akedah, clearly in the Torah teaches us this message that mercy wins out and that God is telling us mercy wins out. That's what God wants from us. And that is what we take away from this story um, on this particular day. So we're going to look at these three um, Midrashic sources from the Midrash and uh, from the Gemara. Just share it on my screen again. Okay. So the first one is uh, from Vayikra Rabbah. This is a this is a doozy. Um, people might have seen this before. People might not have seen this before. I think the most obvious connection with the Shafar Rich, I'll just call it out before we read this, is what was the replacement for Yitzchak? Who was the replacement for Yitzchak? What did they see in the bushes get caught? Don't be shy. Oh. Rams. <laughs> ram. Oh, ram. There's your ram's horn, right? There's a ram. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ariella. So they see the ram. And like the ram's horn, oh, great, perfect timing. I don't get to, I don't have to leave the mountain not feeling like I didn't give my service to God. My son is saved. I give a sacrifice. It's like the ram saved the day. The ram symbolizes that moment of reprieve and that moment of mercy. And that is why even though a bunch of animals are kosher for a horn, right? There's a lot of rules about that, but we, the custom is, and we're going to see this in some of the Gemara sources, is to use a ram specifically to remind us of this story and the, one of the, right, the origin of uh, the shofar, perhaps, to remind us of this story of mercy. Okay. But this Midrash in Vayikra Rabbah is going to give us a whole other connection between the Akedah and blowing the shofar. And that gives us right, another sense of the significance of the shofar, which is uh, which is talked about in many of the sources. Um so I'll read it in the English for the sake of time, right? Had not an angel from heaven called to Abraham, Yitzchak would have been slain. Now remember, in the Torah, it's an angel. In the pew we just read, it was Adon Hashamayim. There is proof because Yitzchak, in this version, already returned to his mother. There's a version where he got home and his mother said, oh my goodness, where have you been? Where did you go? And he actually tells her, he tells her the truth. He says, you're not going to believe what happened. It does, it's not in the Torah. My father took me on a long journey. And it cuts off the main part, but he basically tells her everything. What Abraham tried to do. And then she says, oh my goodness. And she's picturing it in her mind. And even though Yitzchak is standing right in front of her, and thank God, he made it back okay. He's, he's alive. He's okay. She just pictures that moment, what could have been with the mountain and the altar, right? The okay, neck out of his bath and the knife. And it's too much for her. 
And she says, if for not, right? And there's so many moments of our lives that if not for like that split second, if not, right, if things hadn't gone exactly that way, I don't want to think about it. I just don't want to think about it. But now she's forced to think about it and she can't get over it. And she cries out, shisha kolot, right? shisha kolot. Um, voy, like oiva voy, right? That's not a Yiddish thing. <laughs> it's in the Midrash, just a, right? Keneged shesh tikiot, that correspond with the six shofar blasts. The tikiot is the, like the do, that long sigh, the long cry. I didn't bring the Rambam here, but that's how the Rambam describes it based on this Midrashim and the Gemara, is that the shofar represents a cry, and we're not sure, the middle, the truah, we're not sure if it's like a like broken cry, a sobbing cry, a long cry, right? There's lots of different cries that people cry. So this one was a long cry, and we know that she, her, her soul left her. There's a lot to be said about this source, about this feeling of the what if, and that sometimes we can't get over the what if. And so in that moment, even though Rahamim won out, Sarah could not get over a world where the what if could have happened. And the thinking that even this loss was possible, that Abraham could have done this, that Hashem could have asked this, that Yitzhak was almost lost, all of those things. Um, the shofar represents her absolute sort of right, despair and worry. And so that's one voice of the shofar. And that the six tikiot are, right, because we're not sure what the truah is, each truah has, right, as a tikiyah, like a do, then we do the sound in the middle, the truah sound, and then we do the tikiyah. So we do three sets of it because the Torah says do a truah, and there's three possibilities. So that's the, the six tikiyot that we do. There's another midrash that I did not bring about the hundred tears of Sarah, and that's why we blow a hundred blasts. It's a very Kabbalistic idea um, that shows up later. So there are not this theme of, the ram both representing the moment of like salvation and mercy, but also the absolute despair that these things happen in the world and that we have these moments of crisis, of faith and despair. And like, that's where we live as human beings and that vulnerability, that's also the shofar, right? So it's sort of like the trust and the despair at the same time. Um, and it could be that like in a shul full of people, you have like both of those shofar sounds. It could be within the same person, right? Within like, a few minutes, right? The shofar could change and get you to different places. Um, so that is, um, that's right. Take one that it's not only the mercy, but it's a cry of despair um, and a cry of like, really? Yeah, Alyssa, you have a question? No, sorry. I apologize. No, no that's okay. Okay. You can meet yourself. Um, don't be shy if you do that. <laughs> um, the the lack of control and vulnerability, right? That the shofar is like when we don't have words and like there's a lack of the vulnerability that exists. And so that is what Sarah brings to the shofar. Um, the second take is from the Bavli and Rosh Hashanah, um, right? Which is the one, the most famous idea that we mentioned, right? But it says it in a, in a, in a little bit of a stronger way. So this is a section that talks a lot about judgment and uh, Yom Hadin and how it works in Rosh Hashanah. Um, and we say, why is it made from an ayel? Because God said, 
בשופר של העיל, כדי שאזכור לכם עקדת יצחק בן אברהם. So on this day, every time you blow a horn, I'm going to remember that moment that Abraham almost sacrificed Yitzchak and I had mercy. Right? It's as if you are, again, the Oked Vanekad, right? As if you are standing there. You are the binder and the bound in front of the Mizbeach. I'm going to look at you in that way and uh, have mercy on you just in that way. Um, and so that is uh, that is another message. Um, I think that that's uh, a difficult, a little bit of a difficult um, message in terms of what does that mean. But it could be that we are showing our willingness to sacrifice for God, right? In in um, going through this process, we're showing our faith, right? Just as Abraham showed his faith in God, that when we come to God on Rosh Hashanah, all the time with our tefillah, particularly this time of year, we are showing our bitachon, and God counts it for us, right, as this great test of faith or bitachon. So that could be one reading. People might have uh, people might have other readings um, as, of that as well. Um, right, the, um, the ritva sort of builds on that idea. I didn't translate it. Um, but the Jva is a commentary on uh, the Talmud. He was a student of the Rashba. Um, he, uh, he was from Seville in the 13th century. And he says, God says, right, right so, um, even though um, the custom is, right, um, right, everywhere to blow it with, uh, you don't have to do it with a, with a horn, with a ram's horn, um, but that's the custom. Because God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, promised to Avraham that every time Shemachazikin derachav ve'osin ha-mitzvah b'chibah that what is it actually that we're being recognized for doing? Every time we show God that we're strengthened ourselves in following God's ways and doing the mitzvah with love that God will remember it for us. Um, right? And then he, uh, then he quotes that. Um, right? And that's what he heard from his teacher, the Rashba. He has two teachers. It could be that this is from the Rashba. Um, right? That we, it's not so extreme as the actual Akedah, but that we um, commit ourselves to God's will by doing the mitzvot and following God's way with love and commitment. And during this time of year, during the Sarayimit Teshuvah, this is something that we do. By blowing, in, by blowing the shofar, but also recommitting ourselves. And it could be that the shofar represents that, that recommitment. Just as Abraham committed himself, we recommit ourselves to God. Um, the third one is where we see the voice of Yitzchak that showed up in the piyut. Um, and of course, this source, Gemara, is earlier, so the Python probably, is probably building on it, that Yitzchak becomes a powerful voice and an advocate and actually a very strong personality when we often think of him as something he's passive. Um, and even though we often think of Avraham as the one who stands up for justice, as he did with Sidom, that's not what happened in the story of Akedah. And this adds like, it was Yitzchak. What Yitzchak learned from that message was, from that story, stand up and advocate and so this is um, a discussion in Shabbat. This is the section, people, just to put it in context, where it talks about God holding like a, a, a page after that, right? Us accepting the Torah and how did that work and how is that relationship working? 
um, right? And uh, are we keeping to that relationship? And so it says that eventually we're going to sin. And God's going to say, well, go to like your forefathers. They're your parents, basically. And they're going to like wag their finger at you and tell you like you're not doing the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. So they go to Abraham and Abraham says, yeah, you didn't do the right thing. They go to Yaakov. Yaakov's like, yeah, you didn't do the right thing. So now they come to Yitzchak. And God says to Yitzchak, uh, your children, this reminds us of Moshe a little bit, right? These are some echoes of Moshe and the 13 uh, attributes of uh, mercy that we're going to look at. Your children, right? It's like when you have two parents, it's like, oh, your, you know, your daughter is talking back at me, right? That's sort of what, like, right? They're your children. And then what does Yitzchak obviously say? Oh, my? Oh, excuse me, Hashem. My, my children? Now, this is Yitzchak, who we really don't hear, like, words from for, like, a long time in the actual Torah, is given voice here in the Midrash, okay? And he says, uh, excuse me, um, why are they my children? Uh, at Sinai, didn't you say, when they said, like, Israel is b'ni b'chari, right? Yitzchak is b'ni, my, my son, my oldest son. Didn't you call, like, the whole entire people my son, my child, my oldest child? And now they sin, right? They're mine. And now, this is incredible. The whole argument, method of argument that Abraham had with God about Sidom, if we remember that, God, the right, it's not fair to destroy the innocent with the righteous. If there are 50, okay, what about 45? What about 40, right? The bargaining with like the chutzpah and the bargaining that Abraham had, this is what Yitzchak is doing here with God. Um, okay, so first of all, they're not my children. Second of, and they, second of all, even if you're going to say they sin, let's say for a moment, some people did some bad things. Okay, let's actually look at that. Okay. Half the year, right? First of all, they're kids, they're not responsible. For the first 20 years of their lives, okay, so now we're down to 50 years. And then half their life, they're sleeping, right? It's like that, again, I hate to like break them up with jokes, but um, right, there's a like a famous parenting joke of like, right, my kid is very good, like when they sleep, right? So like meaning like everybody's good sometimes, even people will make mistakes, right? Like nobody all the time, and like how much sitting are they actually doing? And he's bargaining, so now we get 25 years, and then there's like 12 years when they're too busy taking care of themselves, so like how bad they couldn't do anything bad. So like now we're down to like a fraction of the time that they even had available to do sins, and now you're gonna tell me they're sinning all the time? How is this even possible? And then he makes a deal with God. And he says, guess what? We'll split the difference. If you take half, I'll take half. Sins are gone. Let's make that deal, God. Incredible. So this is a, a deal that he's trying to strike with Hashem. And if you remember, Abraham was not successful and striking that deal with Hashem for a variety of reasons. But Yitzchak is successful here. Okay. He says, listen, what is his argument? I sacrifice my soul. You should forgive them due to my merit. Now, what that means, we're not going to get into whether he was actually sacrificed. There's a lot of different ideas of the Akedah story that requires too much background. But in some sense, he says, I was willing to sacrifice. I sacrificed. You owe me this, God. 
you owe it to me. I have some standing with you. So you're going to forgive them. So instead of this being the angels knocking on the gates, right, and uh, a moment of divine mercy, also Yitzchak is advocating and bargaining with God. And then the Jewish people said, Yitzchak, you are our father. You defended us and had compassion for your children only as a father would. Now, the last line tells us, what are they missing? If we say this team and we're like, Avraham, save us. Yitzchak, save us. That's not really how it works, right? Yitzchak reminds them. Who is the real parent who has compassion on their children? God. This is uh, very similar to uh, the stories. People know the story of Choni Hamagel. It's like a famous story of the rainmaker that, right, people say, God will listen. You're like God's child. God has to listen to you. You get to, like, demand anything from God, and God does it. So he demands rain, and it rains. But what continues in Masachet uh, Ta'anit is generations of children are able to have this trait, and the people keep knocking on their door and saying, okay, demand rain. And some of them are even named Abba, just to drive the point home. And they do it. And then they say, it's so sad, just like Yitzchak says here, it's so sad that they keep going through this in the medium. Meaning, if we're blowing the shofar and saying these words about Zachor, remember, because we think that like it's from some previous, only about some previous relationship with God that existed several thousand years ago, and we're still like hearkening on that, like then we're missing a point, right? We have to also see ourselves as the child. And it's too bad that they don't know about their parents in heaven, that they don't feel like God is their parents, that they can they can also say, God, guess what? I'm your child. Just like Yitzchak is doing here. And no, we didn't go through the Akitah, but we also get to say, God, I am your child. I am in this world because you brought me here. Please take care of me. We're not bringing in Chana here, but that's very much the message of the Chana story. Right, Chana has that chutzpah as well. So we see that in many of the stories, right, of looking to God, both like begging God because, right, but also saying like, God, listen, we're in this world. We, right, we need you and you have a responsibility to us. And that's also something that right, we do on, on Rosh Hashanah specifically. Um, and so part of the message, right, when we read these, when we're remembering is not only remembering what happened in the past and that right that rachamim went out then but we also want to hope to believe that we are those children and that we can also ask for the same mercy um, we're going to see that theme now in the second um pew that we're going to look at in our short remaining um time left which also builds on um, some of these ideas so i'll just share my screen again so the second um, piyut um, is called Chantachon. Um, have mercy on your children. Um, this is actually, and I only found this out recently, and I didn't like realize, because in the Sidor, it's usually printed like this. But if you look in like a Pizmon book, or if you look up this Pizmon piyut, um, it's actually like the last part of a much longer piyut. But we only um, traditionally... Um, communities only read the last uh, the last part. So this, just like the first pute, is sort of like the theme of the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, also, it's read on Yom Kippur afternoon as like when we feel like the gates are about to close. 
right before Mincha and then Me'ilah, um, we read this again to remind ourselves, look, the gates of mercy, this is our chance, knock on the gates of mercy. Um, and right before Mincha starts, it's, it's sung. Um, so that's like the first day of Rosh Hashanah, that's the theme. Um, the second day of Rosh Hashanah begins with this period of Chantachon. Um, and also many communities um, read it the second day of Rosh Hashanah when they're um, during the Torah service. Um, they're often Pismanim sung. And actually in the Silichot, many communities end daily Silichot all through the month of Elul with this piyut of Chantachon. Right? So it's a theme, uh, like, a, like a theme song. <laughs> of sorts for this time of year, one would say, maybe. Um, so we'll look at it and think why this might be the theme song that was chosen. Um, I'm just going to share so we can just hear just a little bit of the pismon, and you can look at the words if you want, and then we'll look at it inside uh, for a little remaining time left. Hantahon Albanicha Lachshabimu Fahad Lefanicha Nisabim Yerimat Yekaru Ladinke Alkenbao Nechabim Zahoratis Korahamim Yom Haddina Hafirkas was a hamim. Aetadin Lirecha will hoshebe. Shemecha hemma yoshebe. Almidin. So it's a really beautiful pew, both the words and the melody. Um, and just it, it's just very full. Um, and very uplifting. Um, and if you can imagine like a room full of people, right? So same thing with Echayotzon. It's not just like the Chazan or the, the prayer leader singing it, right? It's a lot of voices coming together, saying this together. And that's part of the power of these, uh, of these pew team. So let's just look at it together and think about what are the messages. You should have mercy on your children, meaning we are all similar to that theme. We see ourselves as God's children. And look, what are we doing? Just by showing up, we're returning. We're reconnecting to God. Look, God, we want to have a relationship with you. We looked at this last week in the way the Chida understood Teshuvah, that uh, to do Teshuvah from Ahava, based on Shir Hashirim, right? Ani dodi vidodili, that it's all relational. We come to God and say, God, I'm turning to you. God says, okay, Dodili, I'm turning back to you as well. Um, so we do have to make the first move. But then we remind God, look, we're coming closer to you. Let us, let us feel that you are close to us as well. And we're kind of scared. This brings in, again, some of the fear. We're vulnerable. We're not sure what's going to be in the coming year. And that's why we're turning to you. Because we really just don't know. Um, right? It's a day of judgment. And we are in pain. Right? Even though it's a day of judgment, remember mercy. 
Right? So it's a th continuous theme. As you see, this is the main theme that is being reiterated over and over and over again. It's not the dean. It's not the judgment. We move past judgment. It's not a scary guilt trip. It's not what's being focused on here. Um, anger should be cast away at this time of judgment. Right? For those who are choshvei shemecha, Right? We are considering your name. You are right. We're here doing this. We're going through this process together with you. Um, this last part is very, it shows up. We saw this. Uh, there's another paragraph that was added. So that's why I didn't uh, uh, to other Pew team. A lot of the Pew team um, in the Sephardic world, and some of them were changed a little bit, like we see this with the Chadudi um, after the Shabtai Tzvi incident. Um, but many of them have messianic uh, overtones, right? On all holidays, many, it's a very common theme every holiday to have like, if we're asking for something, what are we really asking for? Full redemption. You wanna know what we want? That's what we want. So every time we ask for it, um, so it shows up here as well. Like, yes, we want, we want the good year to be good, but really, we just like want to not have to do this again every year. And like, we want it to be like a world where right, things are good all the time, right? And things are the way they should be. And things are right. Um, we want redemption. So bring closer the redemption. Hopefully this year will bring us one year closer. Uh, and then it quotes uh, Tehillim, right? Chaf uh, Gimel, um, Psalm 23, right? God, it should be one year closer to peace. Not in that kind of like, right? But we want our lives to be tranquil. We want to feel like we walk through lives and like things are good, things are peaceful. Right? It's good. Um, this is relying on somebody else. This is a common thing in a lot of Pismonim also. Um, this uh, this is uh, Yaakov. Yaakov is Ishtam because that's what he's called in the Torah, Ishtam. Um, that would be a whole separate class on itself, right? Is he an Ishtam? Why is he called an Ishtam? Why do we... Referring to him, but Yaakov being like we are B'nai Israel, ultimately like we are the children of Yaakov. Those are the, the Jewish nation. And so right, we're kind of hearkening back to that idea. Um, right, Alibchak Chotam Simeni. Place me like a seal on your mind. God, don't forget about us. We're remembering you. We're calling out to you. Please remember us. Remember that we exist. And for us as human beings to feel like we can call on right God, and say, like, we're here. Remember us. Right? This is the Ani, like the Shira Shiri message that I just mentioned. I need to that we each have this relationship with God. Remember us as a nation, but also like me as a person. Like I'm here. You put me in this world. Please remember me and remember me for good. And so we're asking like on a national level, and we're also asking um, on a personal level. Um, and so this is building on. Um, the centerpiece of the Slichot and as leading into Yom Kippur, which is the Yid Gemamidot that we rely on this time of year, Monday and the fast day, we'll say them right, this is what we go back to. Um, right, when Moshe asked God, show me your ways, like God, how do you work in the world? And God said, right, Avir I will pass my goodness on you, right, when you go into the little cleft of the rock. Um, and if you call my name, right, um, 
There are many different translations. I will, God says, I will grace those who I choose to grace, and I will um, have compassion on those I choose to have compassion with. Um, it does make it seem a little arbitrary in the Sukim, but the rabbis sort of fix that. <laughs> so we'll, we're going to see how the rabbis understand, like, um, how the dynamics uh, work here, right? And that it's not actually arbitrary. It's like, okay, if I feel like, yeah, yeah, you get mercy, you get compassion. Um, and the rabbis, how the rabbis understand the, the 13 um, attributes in Rosh Hashanah um, 17b. This is right similar. This is the same section that we looked at above, right? Because it's dealing with these questions. So the 13 midot that we say, right? When God, when we call it God's name, Rabbi Yochanan said, if it hadn't said it in the pasuk, like we couldn't say it ourselves. Like if Moshe hadn't told us that this is what happened. But basically God calls out God's name. Like God almost becomes the chazan and like puts on the talit, like the chazan and says, okay, Moshe, you're watching because in the future, this is what you should do. And then like teach all of your children, the Jewish people, and they're going to teach them, do this, what I'm showing you now. And like, everything's going to be fine. Right. If you say this. Right. So then it becomes sort of like a like a, a, um, a condition of the relationship, part of the breath that we have with God. Right. That if we come to God saying we want to have this relationship with you, that God will say, OK, I will have this relationship with you. And that's what's being developed here. Um, and then I will forgive them. Meaning if you do the Yud Gimel Midot, I will forgive them. Um, we're going to close with this really beautiful um, building on that idea from Rosh Hashanah, um, one of my uh, favorite agadot, this is from Brachot. Um, again, this is a section in the beginning of Brachot. It's the first Masechet in all of the Talmud. And they're sort of like, God, are you there? Because like the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. We're not really feeling that you're there. We're not really sure how we connect with you or how we know that you're connecting with us. Right? So I guess the way we have now is tefillah. So we're going to focus on tefillah. So this focuses on the theme of tefillah. Um, and it says, how do we know that God prays? And like, who does God pray to? Right? We have this idea of God praying. And Rav Zutra Bartovia said that Rav said, God says every day, Yehi Rason Milifanai, right? We say Yehi Rason Milifanai. So God says, Yehi Rason Milifanai. It should be my will. Shikavshu Achami Etkasi that my mercy should overpower my anger right? and my compassion, my mercy right, um, out of their anger, and that my mercy should prevail over any other attribute of judgment or punishment. And I should always act midat rachamim lifnei mishurat I'm going to go beyond deen, and I'm going to always act with mercy before them. Okay? And in fact, how do we know this is actually like, this is actually what Rav said is actually what it is? Because one time, Rabbi Yishmael, the Kohen Gadol, on Yom Kippur, which is when we focus on the Egel Midot, and it's understood by the rabbis that that's when we got forgiven for the Egel, and we got these Yom Midot, um, that we got forgiven, um, that he went into the Kodesh Kodeshim and the Holy of Holies, and he saw some manifestation of God and 
this manifestation spoke to Ishmael and said, similar to the angel in Yaakov, my son, bless me, which is right, it's kind of a bizarre midrash. And what did Ishmael say? What does the Kohen Gadol say to God? These attributes. God, I bless you. The same thing right? that you, may it be your will that your mercy will overcome your anger and your mercy prevail over your other attributes and act towards your children with rachamim beyond the letter of the law and right um right and god sort of assented to this tefillah um it's in our daily right the akedah is mentioned in the daily tefillah um but in looking at um the akedah on the torah reading and connecting to the shofar and also thinking about the yud gimel midot um hopefully looking at these pew team really gave us a sense of, uh, of the significance of um, the different meanings of the shofar um, and uh, our calling on God um, at this time of year. And hopefully it should be um, a year of blessing um, and a year um, we really feel that, that rahamim. Um, and I wish everybody at uh, Rabbat a, a sweet and a happy new year. And thank you for learning together. Thank, thank you. you so much to you too. What a wonderful uh, way to uh, guide us into Erev Rosh Hashanah. Um, so uh, even though uh, Elul is coming to an end, um, our Elul's man uh, is going to continue after Rosh Hashanah um, uh, with uh, Miss Sarah Gordon's class on the Yom Kippur Avoda, uh, Rabbi Silver Silber's class on the melodies of the high holiday services, and with Rabbi Ziering's class on Sukkot. Um, I am putting the, um, for anyone who wants to register for, uh, the classes to come, um, and that, good evening, uh, thank you all so much for being part of our learning community, and have a Shana Tova. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, you Maxine, for coordinating. Thank you, Kayla. Shana Tova.